Hello, and welcome to Returning to Us, a podcast that gives you strategies and tips for how to hack your brain, build and strengthen relationships, and to teach people how to recognize and neutralize their emotional states. I'll discuss emotional intelligence and regulation, how food and exercise impact the body and brain, and share lessons from my own lived experiences. I'm Lauren Spiegelmeyer, the founder of The Behavior Hub, which is an organization that works to reduce the stressors of raising and educating children through a brain and biology-based lens. In these episodes, I'll share stories and strategies from my own life, work, and research, answer listener questions, and wrap it up with a try-it-at-home tip. Decades worth of information in just minutes. You ready? Those of you that have been with me for the last two episodes, we were teaching, we were teaching, I was teaching, we were talking about, I was talking about to all of you, things that we can do to help kids remember information. Basically, how do we teach based on what we know about the brain? I'm going to take a massive shift here and take us in a very different direction. I want to take us to understanding people and relationships because it impacts our home life. It impacts our friend's life. It might impact our family life, impacts our work life, because the way that we show up and identify on like a self-orientation, like how much do you care about others versus how much you care about yourself, scale helps us to determine how to interact with certain people. So today's episode is called, How Selfish Are You Really? (laughs) Okay. And this comes from a book called the human magnet syndrome. It is from Ross Rosenberg's work. There is something that he developed called the continuum of self value. This blew my mind when I first learned about this. I love continuums. I've created many continuums for the behavior hub. So these are great. So what is a continuum of self value? It is a, like an 11 point scale, 11 point continuum, 11 numerical values to represent the full range of self. What the heck does that mean? Basically, if we draw out those numbers on a line, you've got zero in the middle. And then on the right side, you've got one, two, three, four, five, positive one, two, three, four, five. On the left side, you've got negative one, two, three, four, five, negative five to one, negative one and zero, and then positive one to positive five, add all those together. It gives you 11 numerical values. Okay. So zero is in the middle. And zero represents this, I guess it would be hypothetical, but could be an actual person, though it's unlikely. It, <laughs> zero is the perfect balance of self and other orientation. What does that mean? Self and other orientation means how much do you think about yourself and how much do you think about others? And it's not bad or wrong to think about others a lot or to think about yourself a lot. There's a healthy dose of each. Zero on the scale is the person who thinks equally as much about themselves as they think about others. And if you think about yourself, like you really think about yourself and how you show up in the world, it's probably true that you fall on one side of the scale or the other. And again, that's not wrong or bad. It's human. To be absolutely perfect and fall right in the middle and all the time think equally about others and self is pretty rare. So let's dig into this continuum. The highest number to the left of zero 
is negative five. That negative four, negative three, negative two, negative one. The highest number on the right side of the scale is positive five. Positive four, positive three, positive two, positive one. That negative five on the left side of the scale represents what we call codependency. Codependency is when your self-orientation, so how you orient yourself in the world, it's defined by complete and utter focus on the needs of others. So much so that you'd neglect your own needs. That's not healthy. It's not wrong. It's just not healthy. The highest number on the right side of zero is positive five, which represents what Rosenberg calls an emotional manipulator, essentially a narcissist. This is when a self-orientation, how you show up in the world, is defined by complete focus on your own needs at the exclusion of others. Also not healthy, not wrong, not even necessarily somewhat of a choice, but not fully a choice. Both extreme ends of the spectrum are results of typically childhood trauma or childhood mm, adversity. So the closer that a person is to zero, to the middle of the scale, the more they are able to give and take when in a relationship, whether that's a work relationship, a familial relationship, a friend's relationship, or a, a partner, romantic partner. The further away from zero someone is, the more that person is concerned of a pattern of self, maybe selfishness. So, again, it is uncommon for a person to have a value of zero because it is really hard to perfectly equally split orientation of self versus others. We usually fall on one side of the spectrum or the other. So what I'm going to do here is I'm going to talk about negative five, four, three, two, one, positive one, two, three, four, five, and what each number would look like. So you can learn to identify yourself and maybe even potentially identify others. So let's start with negative five. Number negative five is the codependent, completely absorbed by others. I don't think absorbed is the right word there. Let's say that again. <laughs> Codependent, completely like obsessed with others and, and meeting other people's needs. Again, not healthy because as human beings, we need to have some of our own needs met. So although it's we, th we kind of glamorize like caring for others, you can care for others on a lower level of the spectrum, which would be more healthy. Okay, so these people completely ignore their own needs. And they usually can't even ask for the love, respect, and care that they deserve to have from others. Unhealthy. A negative four, we're jumping down the scale one. Um, person is usually always or almost always focused on the needs of others. Not as much as the five, but still quite focused on the needs of others. And then they will intermittently seek to have their own needs reciprocated or fulfilled. This person can ask for what they need. They have the ability to, unlike the five, 
but they are really inexperienced, uncomfortable, fearful, shameful, feeling guilty about, feeling super needy, even though it's appropriate to ask for what you need sometimes. So still pretty unhealthy in terms of still too too oriented towards others. And you've got your negative three. This person identifies as a caring, caregiver, giving, nurturing type, predominantly focused on the needs of others to the point where they will delay or even excuse fulfilling their own needs. And this person's reputation is really fused, like really fused with helping and caretaking. There's usually an imbalance here, an imbalance where they are giving too much and giving much more to the partner or the other half than they are receiving. They are capable of setting boundaries much like the four, but they tend to feel very guilty about doing so. So the difference here between three and four is I would say three isn't necessarily unhealthy. It's still in a ground where we want to try and improve because you don't. it's still too focused on others, but there's a level of like, there is asking for needs to be met, feeling guilty about it, but there's asking of it. Whereas the four really can't even always ask for it. And the five never asks for it. I would say like threes to me feel like moms with kids, like especially like stay at home moms with kids. Like naturally you are constantly putting your needs on the back burner and not even probably able to ask your kids for space if you need. And that's appropriate as a human being. And as a mother, it's appropriate to ask for space. So I would put most stay-at-home moms cl- close to or in the threes category, which isn't necessarily bad. It's it's um, maybe not necessarily their type. It's just a temporary state of being until their kids are older, more independent, or move out of home. Okay, so threes that middle ground, we're like, we want to work on improving a little bit, but better than a four or a five, healthier than a four or a five, and definitely has the ability to come, become self-aware and change, whereas the five quite unlikely that they're going to change because they're just not self-aware enough. The four with coaching or therapeutic support can improve the three definitely. And now let's go into the two. So we get to the down to the twos and the ones we're much healthier. The twos have a caretaking identity and they value that. And they're often appreciated for this caretaking identity, but it's not exploited. So they provide lots of love and respect and care for those around them without needing or wanting equal reciprocation of that love, respect, and care. But the difference is they are able to ask regularly for what they need. They might feel the slightest bit uncomfortable with it, but they don't feel guilty and they don't feel needy. They can be comfortable with asking for what they need. So twos, very healthy. They can still improve, stick it down to a one because the goal is to get down to like a one or a zero, but can function well and just naturally more of those caretaking individuals. And that's totally fine. Negative one, person with a healthy balance between love, respect, and care of self and others. So they might give a little bit more than their partner gives, but they easily ask for what they need and they seek life experiences and relationships where people are able to satisfy their needs. They appreciate relationships where there's a reciprocation and mutual distribution of that love, respect, and care. And they derive meaning and happiness when they help others or care for others, but they do not tolerate selfish 
self-centered, self-absorbed people around them. And they enjoy caring for others, but it's not their identity. And they do not experience guilt, neediness, or even really any discomfort uh, with asking for care or asking for what they need. So a one is pretty darn healthy, negative one that is. Even when I think about myself and I self-identify, I'm like, hmm, I'm probably somewhere between a negative one and a negative two. I'm definitely more of an others-focused person for sure. And I would even say that because of my childhood, at one point, I was probably a three, maybe even between a three and a four, where I was super focused on other people and I was a people pleaser. I became self-aware. I hired a coach to help me. I worked myself down to a two, probably pretty close to a one right now. And then you've got your zero. Remember that's equal of each part. And let's go into the plus side. So the plus side, remember, is more self-focused. So a plus one person with a healthy balance between love, respect, and caring for self and others. But the difference between this and a negative one is this person really values personal and professional goals and ambitions, and they confidently pursue them. But they, not but, uh, and they derive meaning and happiness from those ambitions. But here's the but they are cognizant of the necessity to provide love, care, and respect for their partner. They are hyper aware of it. They are choosing to be the caretaker every now and then while still wanting to fulfill their own goals. So super healthy, pursuing those things they want to do. Effortless to provide love and care and respect for the other person, especially when requested. And they are not triggered at all when someone asks them to have a need met. So a very healthy individual. So you can see when you compare plus one to more self-oriented to negative one to more others oriented, those are two very healthy people. And a lot of times plus ones and negative ones end up together because there's an equal balance between the two where they ebb and flow well together. And again, it's not wrong or bad to be self-focused or others-focused. Again, society really says like, it's wrong to be self-focused. It should be others-focused. It's not necessarily true. And it's not a bad thing to be a little bit more self-focused. It actually works really well when we like counterbalance relationships. Um, So just something to be mindful of and think about, are you more self-focused or others-focused? And it's not bad or wrong. Let's move on to plus two, a person who prefers to be involved in relationships in which they can still fulfill and pursue their own ambitions, desires, and goals, and that they feel encouraged and supported. These people seek a little bit more attention and appreciation than their one counterparts. And although this go-getter may be consumed with being in the spotlight, they are still willing and able to meet their partner's needs. They are not exploiting their partner's giving type, and they are not selfish. I will say this, the difference between a one and two is because they are more oriented towards self and their own needs, they can forget about the equality of love, respect, and care inside of the relationship. But when they are asked to provide or meet a need, they respond favorably. They do not react. They are non-reactive and they don't mind providing those things. So the t- a two, positive two is healthy. Then you go into your positive three, mildly selfish, a little bit more self-centered, predominantly focused on having their own needs met while diminishing, maybe even excusing 
their partner's needs and their identity and really their reputation is, is more fused with the need for attention, affirmation, validation, recognition for the things that they're doing. And there's an imbalance where they are taking more love, care, and respect than they are giving. And the big difference here is when they are confronted about this, they get defensive or they may get defensive. But the difference between a three and a four is they are able to make corrections at times, not all the time, because sometimes they get defensive and they don't provide, but they can sometimes. They may be perceived as self-consumed or self-centered, but they are willing to give love, respect, and care for their partner, just need multiple and maybe frequent reminders. So again, three can easily come down to two and three has the ability to be self-aware enough. Four, definitely a little more narcissistic, self-absorbed, preoccupied, and they're pretty rarely able to fulfill the needs of other people. And they might even come across as people might use words like entitled, self-absorbed, um, self-centered, and they are even feeling a little bit more comfortable with the disparity in thinking that their needs are more important than other people around them. They're a little bit more overtly narcissistic and they are able to give micro levels of that love, respect, and care to people around them. But if they are confronted, they not only get defensive, they get angry and they might be really quick to justify their actions. The difference between this person and a five is they do not exhibit what we call narcissistic rage. Essentially, they are able to regulate their emotions a little bit better, whereas a five definitely cannot. So a five plus five is what we call an emotional manipulator, aka a narcissist. And they are, at this point in their lives, if they are in this category, unable to provide and even unable, unmotivated to provide love, respect, and care for others. They are just completely consumed with fulfilling their own needs with no intention of possibly even reciprocating that. And these people have a great deal of difficulty exhibiting empathy, unconditional love, uh, positive regard. And typically if they do offer any love, respect, or care, it's conditional. And um, really, they're not able to see that they are quite narcissistic and self-consumed. They're, they're just not self-aware enough. And when they are confronted about this or confronted about meeting the needs of their partner or someone around them, they will often strike back. And it might be really direct and overt and loud, or it could be a more passive-aggressive way. The five on the positive side again, not likely to become self-aware enough to make a big change that they need to make to get to a healthier place. So let's recap real quick. Fives, fours, not, not very healthy. Threes, still not the most healthy, not the most ideal, but better ability to become more self-aware and come down to a two or one. Two or ones, great. Zeros, probably unlikely. So most of us healthy individuals would be ones and twos, some of us injured individuals would be threes, and that's okay. I remember I told you I was there, maybe even possibly a four. And then those that really could benefit from coaching or therapeutic support, really everyone, but the ones that really need it, threes, fours, fives, definitely fours and fives. And fives may not even benefit from it because they probably would reject the idea of coaching or mental health supports. Okay, so basically your 
higher numbers are associated with, this makes perfect sense, uh, elevated mental health problems and mistreatment of others, mishandling of others. And this is important to know because how we categorize ourselves and others, and, and it's hard to categorize others unless you know them really deeply, really well, just helps us to learn how to show up and react to certain people in the world. It also helps us determine who are good fits for us because what we are ultimately looking for is what we call a zero sum relationship. So if you are negative one, best matches for you, positive one. Environments that are around a lot of positive ones. Um, if you're negative two, best with negative twos. And by choosing to be around, I'm sorry, if you're negative two, best with positive twos. I said that wrong. Negative twos, best with positive twos. So you want that counterbalance where they even each other out or equate each other out to a zero. Now I will say this, when you are a three, two, one on either side of the scale, if you're around a lower level number, whether it's on the positive or negative side, and you spend a lot of time with those people, it will probably bring you closer to zero. That's a good thing. If you're around a lot of fours and fives, more likely to take you up into a three, four or five. Why? Because you act like the people you are around the most. And if people are very selfish and self-absorbed, naturally, when your needs don't get met, you have to become more selfish and self-absorbed. It's why they coined this term for people that are married, engaged, dating narcissists, narcissistic abuse syndrome, where the codependent, because that's typically who ends up with a narcissist, will become very self-consumed themselves out of having to uh, like self-preserve and save themselves. So all of this just good information to know because it, it's helpful to think about how does my past impact who I am today? How am I showing up in the world? How can I improve and get closer to zero? Who am I interacting with and where are they on these scales? If I'm not even in a romantic relationship, how can I find someone who is a reciprocal or opposite number from myself? Or how can I find people, groups of people who can bring my number back down by being around people who are lower than me or opposite side of the spectrum? All right, that is it for now. We're going to switch gears into today's listener question, which is how do we best identify the signs of stress in students? For me, when I notice this, it's shifts, whether they're subtle or big changes. I will pay attention to when a student is acting a little off. And because I'm super empathetic and so intuitive, I can usually energetically sense it pretty quickly. Big changes in behavior are a lot more obvious, but shifts in behavior usually mean something's going on inside the brain or body. So that's the easiest way for me to tell. Um, when students lash out or act out, it's usually a sign of, of underlying stress. So I have a lot of grace for big behaviors like that and trying to figure out what's under it. That's the most obvious way. Other signs of stress, like more physical symptoms, like body symptoms, weight loss, um, change in attitude, um, not eating, eating more, weight gain, weight loss, um, just physical signs of like deterioration of the body. Cause that's what stress is doing. It's deteriorating the body. It's causing disease. So big things like that can be, can be, but not always signs of stress to wrap up the show. I'm going to share with you our try to home tip, which is Notice the sounds around you. Sometimes throughout the day, just close your eyes and notice all the sounds you hear around you. Why? Because when we tune into one of our senses, it lowers the input of the other senses and it helps to give our brain a rest. 
So instead of looking at things visually and touching something and hearing something, I might just close my eyes so I can't see something. I'm not going to touch anything. I'm just going to hear. I'm just going to listen. I'm just going to tune into that olfactory, or not olfactory, <laughs> auditory. Olfactory is nose. Uh, into the auditory, the ears, and hearing just to let my body come down a little bit. And that is it for today's episode of Returning to Us podcast. Remember, I tried a home tip, which is notice the sounds around you. If you are looking for more support in the areas of stress, trauma, behavior, burnout, if your school is looking for more support in the areas of stress, trauma, behavior, the brain, behavior, burnout, I would love to be a part of that learning coaching journey. So I created the Behavior Hub which offers this range of supports from coaching to online courses, even university credit for those online courses. But I would love to become a support for change in those areas in you or in your building or organization. So feel free to log on to the behaviorhub.com. Shoot me a text, shoot me an email. It's all going to come to me and we can talk more about what that looks like. And that is it for today. Do not forget to lock in what you learned by thinking about it, making notes on it, jotting it down, sharing it with someone else, whatever you need to do to remember that information until next episode. I am Lauren Spiegelmeyer and thank you for joining me.